In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 46. You get me. You get me. Just get me, Erin. You do. I mean, it wasn't intended to be you and me saying you get me, but you do. You get me. No. In fact, this week we're talking about books where we related to the characters so much. And not even necessarily their circumstances or them. Just the way the author wrote it. Yes. You feel like they're in your damn head. Yes. And Amy and I were talking before this. Prepping for this episode felt like a lot of pressure because there's so many books that feel personal and important. So to A, narrow it down, it felt like an important choice. It did. And then at one point I was like, well, if I say that I'm choosing this book, does that mean this has also happened to me? Like this is like, which is not the case. I know. Got in a weird headspace on that one. Oh, God. I'm glad we're revealing our process and, and, you know. The anxiety over our... We're just trying real hard to please we the listeners. We do it to the extreme. <laughs> just trying to give you the entertainment you deserve. Yes, we overthink everything. We do. <laughs> Including our picks this week. <laughs> but on that note, mm-hmm. I mean, I did bring up some real good questions. It did, Aaron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one question I have is, do you have a memory of maybe the first time that you related to like a book or a movie or a TV show or something of that vein? Yes, I can specifically remember um, relating to a TV show for the first time and feeling like, oh, this this is it. This yeah. is my jam. This is what I've been looking for. And that was one of the first times I saw Saturday Night Live. Oh, my gosh. That's a wonderful Yeah, choice. I just remember thinking, oh, see, there are mm-hmm. people that are weird, and yes. then they explore their weirdness in a two-minute sketch, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious for everyone to see. I just, I loved it. 
who were on who were the people on at that time i'm that sure really it wasn't it. the first episode i saw but the the period that i remember the most it was like will ferrell mm-hmm. molly shannon sherry o'terry yes. so many like Glorious. there's an there's a sketch that i'll never forget that was jim carrey and he was a lifeguard in oh a hot god tub. in a hot tub yeah. yes oh man I mean, there's just some, yeah, weird and great. And the cheerleaders, Mm -hmm. that was a big thing. The um, Will Ferrell and uh, was it Molly Shannon had the, no, it was. um, Oh, Anna Gasteyer, the two like people playing at the prom and everything. Yes, yes. I also liked Mary Elizabeth or Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yes, yes. Yes. Superstar. Superstar. And when she sniffed her armpits, there was something about it. I was like, it was great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember thinking, oh, okay. There is a space for this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Being weird is cool. Mm -hmm. And hilarious. And hilarious. I always knew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great pick. Yeah. It was, it still holds a special place in my heart. You know, I had one pick selected for this question, but then I have another based on that answer as well. The first one, though, was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I think part of it was I related to both. Cameron and Ferris like mm. Ferris was the one I wanted to be like the you know just go out on adventure and yeah. do whatever and say no to the rules and then Cameron's the one that follows the rules and I'm like that is so me yeah. like that I would stress out all day if I was skipping school that somebody was going to find out that the you know yes. the car was going to whatever and yeah mm-hmm. that was me but also later on when I was babysitting someone in high school I discovered Monty Python oh and it was like VHS tape. I was watching it. And the same reaction as you as SNL. Just like, oh, my God, this is so random and weird. And I love it. Yes. And like somebody out there loved this enough to make it. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Glorious. I also remember this is a weird one. And I was this was after college. But I remember I found um, I don't know if you ever heard of the TV show Nip Tuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I know this sounds weird, but it was like this, I think because at that point, a lot of my TV viewing had been kind of mainstream, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, everybody likes Friends, everybody likes ER, everybody likes, you know, the ones that like everybody talked about and you saw. Right. And I hadn't really explored a lot beyond that. I mean, this is pre Netflix and being able to, you know, binge TV shows and I stumbled upon it. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the writing and it's totally different than anything I've ever seen. They're clearly pushing boundaries. And I remember being hooked right away yeah yeah and that's another situation where really no one in that show is similar to you no anyway no (laughs) nope just to be clear just to be clear i show what our theme is about murderous narcissistic plastic surgeon nope you're not you're not not that i know of anyway no yeah no that was a different life okay (laughs) oh that was well i mean there was a good portion of your life i didn't know you so Mm -hmm. maybe that's what was happening yep yeah Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. that sounds right yeah, I think it tracks. <laughs> There's nothing about me that would, you know, not be a surgeon. Thing, yeah. Same thing with me and Monty Python. I'm not a British dude from the 60s. No. But hey, I really appreciated them. Mm-hmm. Well, and who doesn't, to be honest? Right? If you don't, I question. Yes. I have questions. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Agreed. Another question for you, Aaron. Oh, okay. Is there a type of person that you don't relate to? Yes. And I feel like I am sometimes thrust in with them when you have kids. Mm -hmm. And it's moms that 
don't think that their kids do anything wrong. Oh, no. And I think sometimes that happens. It gets perpetuated with yes. other moms because like it feels like a failing or you don't want to be judged, which I wish people just let their guard down. I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together and it's it's terrible most of the time. Yes, and we, kids can be assholes yes. as we've established. Right. And I don't say that because I think my kids are terrible. I just know my kids are human. Yes. That's actually what I love about my kids. If mm-hmm. my kids are perfect, that would be weird and uncomfortable and not fun at all. But that you meet that certain type of person who is very like... No, you know, Johnny always acts right and he wouldn't do that and he Mm -hmm. wouldn't do this. And I just, I can't relate to that. And I have nothing to say because what I want to do is quickly find out everything that Johnny's done wrong (laughs) and tell you. Be like, guess what? Yeah. Johnny. He's been up to no good. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a plastic surgeon killing people. Yeah. He's a narcissistic plastic surgeon. Mm -hmm. So you probably should be catching up on some episodes (laughs) and then get back to seeing what your kid's doing. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, as parents, we get thrust into that sometimes. I think you're right. Just let the pretense go. Especially moms. Like Mm -hmm. there's something about maybe the way that your kids act that supposedly reflects back on you. So if you don't, you know. Yeah. Which... They're their own person. Yeah. They're going to do things that mm-hmm. I hate and there's nothing I can do about it. No. It is what it is. It is what it is. And that's what right. makes them great at the same time. <laughs> and also assholes. So much. Yeah. I just really enjoy saying that kids are assholes because they kind of are sometimes. Yeah, they are. You could still love them. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You could still love them. I mm-hmm. love a lot of people that can be assholes. Very true. Yeah. So yeah. There's an, it's no different. And I can be an asshole. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, not very often. No, you know, in fact, I, I wanted to retract that right after yeah. I said it. I never have. <laughs> there was a look on your face like, oh, I said this and I don't, I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe it. Well, I was nope. more thinking about you. Oh, well, I was thinking about you. Oh, I was like, look I at don't that. think that there's a time that I would have categorized that. Oh, for sure there was. Remember, there's a good portion of our lives. That oh, we I don't see. know yeah. each okay. other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fair. A lot that's of years fair. to be an mm-hmm. asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't change how I feel about you. That's my point. That is my point. Ride or die. Exactly. Yeah. So is there a type of person that you can't relate to? Yes. And and kind of very similar, but except for, you know, someone claiming that their kids can't do any wrong. If you're claiming yourself that you can't do any wrong, Mm. that's a problem. Like if you're not going to admit that you've ever been embarrassed or that you've ever failed or anything like that, if you are not willing to admit to yourself that you are a flawed human being, I got nothing to say to you. Yeah. Because that's not true, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second, it's so much more fun to kind of relate to each other in yes. the ways that we've messed up or the ways that we've embarrassed ourselves. Or, mm-hmm. And maybe some of that comes with age, you know, where we feel more comfortable just admitting, yeah, this is who I am. Yes. Yeah. But the people that that refuse to do that, I just, I got nothing. Yeah. I can't do it. Well, both of our picks kind of come down to a vulnerability. Like yes. being willing to just say, no, this is me and this is what happened and yes. here it is. And like, authenticity too. Like if yes, you're, if you're yes. saying this thing, it's obviously false. So then yeah. I, I can't believe anything you say. Right. And yeah. you have this vested interest in impressing me instead of just getting to know me. Like yes. I'm not going to, that's not going to get us anywhere. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand how you would, you know, interact with such a person. Yes. Because I'm not perfect. No. We got flaws, but they're great. All of our embarrassing stories, we have used them to great purpose on this podcast. Purpose. Yes. There you go. I know that many more that I'll share. Oh, God. So many more. Uh Yeah. Yes. So what was your first pick for us this week? My first pick, Erin. Good segue, by the way. Thank you. Been working on my transitions. (laughs) (laughs) Have you? You just been at home in the mirror just saying transitions to yourself? Yeah. Like when Mason will say something to me and then I'll just be like... 
try to come up with a transition for it. Oh, mm-hmm. does he have any idea what you're no, doing? No, no. Okay. I, yeah. I, honestly, I really don't do that. I don't know why I said I've been working on it. I don't do any of that. But I just like the idea of you working yeah, on it with your six year old. So yeah, hard. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. All right. Well, maybe I'll start. Yeah. Every time someone says something, I'm going to try to come up with a transition <laughs> to the next thing. Speaking of food, it's time to eat. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Your family's going to hate you. So much. I don't know yeah. why I feel like I have to say it like a newscaster. No, I don't either, but I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Maybe it's the NPR lady thing oh, that you yeah. know, we were yeah. afraid of, but now we're also sort of embracing. Also, news flash on that. What? Mike had never seen that. Mike had never seen sweaty balls. No, he thought we were just off the cuff talking about sweaty balls. What? And had no context to it. He's like, why are you guys saying... <laughs> He thought we were just talking about balls in her mouth. Yeah. Wow. Uh I mean, hey, I mean, we could have just been talking about that, but he'd never seen that. I rectified it. Good. Yeah. What does he think about it? It was great. He loved it so much. And then he retroactively loved us even more. Good. Yes. That's really the goal is to impress Mike. Yeah. That's all we're doing. This is the whole reason we started a podcast (laughs) is we're like, guess what? We're going to try and really get Mike with this one. He's listening to this and he's like, oh dear. Yeah, why? This is real bad. I don't even read. (laughs) (laughs) Got a real audience problem here. Because your person you're attending is not a reader. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Anyway, on that note, I haven't been working on my transitions. I'm just going to pivot. Pivot. Right back to the first page. I I already gave you my best. So I'm out. Well, my fiction pick this week is called The Friend by Sigrid Nunes um, from 2018. So in the book, um, a close friend of the narrator has recently killed himself. And it's a fellow writer like her. And so she's grieving very deeply, as you would for a friend. And somehow she ends up taking in the friend's dog, who is a great Dane named Apollo. And by the way, that's the only name you ever see in the book. You don't know who the narrator is. You don't know the name of the friend. You just name it, know Apollo. Oh. So she takes in Apollo, even though she, the narrator, is a cat person and has like a 500 square foot apartment in <gasps> New York City. Oh, gosh. Yes. And dogs are not allowed in this building. Oh. So... The narrator is is working through a lot of levels of grief, as you would. Mm-hmm. She's wondering if she could have helped prevent the suicide. She's wondering if sh- something different could have been done to, you know, to to, uh, to prevent this. Um, she's also wondering if this is the fate of older writers like herself or just older people in general. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the dog is also grieving, as dogs do. And the dog is also sort of almost acting out, like making her apartment a mess, hogging her bed, refusing to uh, to to hide because, you know, she needs to hide him from the landlord. But they come together through this sort of deep sadness that they're both experiencing. And the dog helps the narrator get out of her head, get out of her apartment. She realizes that he's soothed by her reading aloud. So he start, she starts reading to him every Aww. night. Um, so they forge this new connection that really heals them yeah. both. Um, I love this because it's so simple when you think about that plot. You know, this this fact that she's just taking in a, a dog, pretty much, who becomes her friend. But it's so rich. You feel deeply connected to the narrator through that vulnerability that we kind of talked about, the sense of loss. You know, you just feel like you understand her because of what she's going through. And, and also this sort of profound and surprising connection to this dog that she never expected in her life. And I think maybe there's something about our connection with animals that's really 
I don't know, you can somehow connect on that level to that other person through that love of animals, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And it reveals who we are. And maybe that's why this novel is so compelling. It's so immersive. You just you just get it on a deep level. Um, And the way it's written too, it's it's short sections, it's thoughts, it almost feels like you're reading a journal or reading along as this person is experiencing it. So you really feel this, this deep, deep connection. There's a great story behind this too. Sigrid Nunez had written like eight novels over 20 some years. So this is not her first novel. But um, she's never promoted herself via online accounts. She's never done sort of the author game that a lot of people have to do. Right. Um, so she wasn't super well known, but this book became a sensation and won the National Book Awards. So now she's really well known because of this book, which is so interesting. In yeah. But I really, really enjoyed it. I think um, you're going to get a lot out of it. It's only like 200 pages. It's real quick, but mm. very, very beautiful. And did you especially relate to doing things for an animal that you wouldn't normally do? Why would you say that, Erin? I, I don't know. I was just specifically <laughs> thinking of maybe like a certain food purchase you made this week that you were enticing podcast. So before with. we started, <laughs> before we started recording our podcast, I was relating to Erin that podcast has a syndrome called old skinny cat syndrome. <laughs> I'm now calling Where? that OCSC for short. Where she is just skin and bones. And, you know, she's getting older. And I started looking around on what I could do to help fatten this cat up. Yes. One suggestion online was kitten food. Done. So now I have food for her, for kittens, to help her nutrients. I also have food for her on both levels of this house. Well, yeah. And I got her a little snack of a tin of sardines. (laughs) Which... Wouldn't be, I mean, maybe as shocking if people don't remember that you're a vegan. Yes, that is so true. So yeah. you are literally having to take mm-hmm. a fish mm-hmm. out of a tin. Yes, and I'd never eaten sardines even when I ate meat. Ugh. I didn't quite realize what the hell was in this tin. Mm-hmm. So I open it up and I have an immediate gag reflex because it's just a fish pretty much <laughs> in the tin. <laughs> but I'm telling myself and I'm singing to myself about we're going to fatten this cat up. So I give her. Coping that was my coping mechanism. Making up a song because <laughs> I'm looking at a fish face. <laughs> I gave her a little bit of sardines. She was all over it Amazing. for the first day. And now then uh, I've had to store the rest in the refrigerator and then reheat it, which fish smell disgusting. Then I give it to her and she eats a few bites and then she's done. I, there's just so many things about this <laughs> that I'm enjoying. <laughs> I don't know if I should, but yeah, I am yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's the the image of you actually having to reheat that yeah. is great. And yep. I also mm-hmm. am so interested to know the levels podcast's going to push this to. <laughs> what else can I get Amy to buy? I think she's really, really enjoying this. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think um, having food on both levels, she's been all over that, but she is now a even needier bitch than normal. Meowing at me a lot more. Yeah. You're going to create a situation. She's really stepping all over me. Mm-hmm. But hey, I sacrifice myself for this cat, which may bite me in the ass at some point. I don't know. You did say you got some pretty terrific cuddles yesterday. So maybe I did. Maybe indeed. she's like going to reward a little, you know. Yeah. She's like got the balance down. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> she's going to give me <laughs> she's going to give me a little bit of love just enough to sustain me through all the abuse the sincerity that you said yeah like an abusive relationship like yeah that's totally what i'm in with my cat and it's fine i've accepted it and 
it's just part of life. We've made a lot of the fact that Podcat is trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. We haven't really talked about the fact that she's real hot and cold with me, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it's more offensive to you because you, you she lives with you. <laughs> I mean, you are in direct yeah. care of her. I know. So I'm her human. It's a dangerous line there. It is. But, you know, I, I, I want to I wanna fatten that cat up. Want uh, I don't want yeah. old skinny cat syndrome in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when I was telling Aaron this story before we started recording, you had the giggles about the fact that this is like a legit thing that I found on the internet. Mm-hmm. That this is what people call it: mm-hmm. old skinny cat. Oh, and it's a syndrome. It's yep, not just it's syndrome. Not just a phrase. Right. It's a syndrome. It also sounds like a band name: old skinny cat. <laughs> Music with that band play ska <laughs> <laughs> old skinny cat opening up for mighty mighty boston yes yes uh-huh. wow that sounds like an actual thing that happened <laughs> it does there's a band called squirrel nut zippers so why isn't like, there a band called old skinny cat <laughs> yeah syndrome <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you so that's where podcat and i are at Life is fine now. Okay. She's, she seems to be, you know, her she her spine isn't as pronounced as it was. Well, see, it's all mm-hmm. working. It was worth it. Yeah. I admire your Thank you. willingness to go above and beyond. Well, you know, some people have kids. I got an old skinny cat. <laughs> With the <a> syndrome. <laughs> oh, anyway. That was great. What did you pick for fiction? Well, I picked a book called The Woman Upstairs by Claire Massa. I've heard of this. Yeah. And this was published in 2013. Also kind of a short book, um, but it really, I I wouldn't say that you fly through it because I think it's got some kind of intensity to it that you take a step back every once in a while. But it's about Nora Eldridge, who's a 37-year-old elementary school teacher in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And before she decided on this career, she thought she was going to be an artist. Like that was her life stream. That's her passion. That's what she really loves doing. But, you know, through life circumstances, the need to make money, just getting worn down, um, she instead has become, quote unquote, the woman upstairs. So reliable friend, great neighbor, this person that's living there day to day, doing her thing going to work does she have an old skinny cat i don't believe so Hmm. just questioning yeah just wondering i don't i don't think so i bet i could be wrong hoping there's proof out there that someone gets me and has an old skinny cat yeah oh no i think there's a lot of people that have old skinny cats i don't think you have to worry about that too much (laughs) i think that market's adequately covered yeah 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 yeah. um she should if she doesn't that is an oversight (laughs) for sure uh, but one day in class, she gets a new student named Reza, who seems to be like right out of a dream of Claire's. Just a great, like wonderful student, super worldly, intelligent, sensitive, incredible parents. His dad, Skander, is a Lebanese scholar and professor. And that's actually why they're here is because he is starting a fellowship at Harvard. And his mother is a well-known and celebrated Italian artist. So two people that Claire just would really like to get to know. And because of an incident of bullying at school, where someone was um, did something terrible to Reza, she ends up kind of getting immersed in the family because she has to check on him and it just kind of snowballs from there. And she really forms a friendship with all three of them separately. And it sort of forces her out of her shell and to push these new boundaries. But the conclusion of all of that 
is so shattering in so many ways because she feels like she's reaching out and doing this thing, but the end result is something entirely different than she anticipated. So uh, I can't say much more about that because you need to experience Mm -hmm. that part. But I picked this um, for the character that I can relate to because of Nora. I think that the title, The Woman Upstairs, speaks to the physical presence, obviously, that she lives in this upstairs apartment, but also because of all the stuff that Nora's keeping in her head of her own thoughts and feelings, her own woman upstairs and her, of what she thought she was going to be um, of how she was going to create this different version of herself. And that n- was never really let out until she met these other people. And I relate to that. I think both as a female, as a female getting older um, and just really being human. I think we all think, you know, everybody asks you that when you're young, like, what are you going to be? Well, yes. I'm going to be, you know, an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Like you have all these great dreams and some of us, we keep them for a long time but then we never reconcile the person we become with With the person who we were and who we wanted wanted to be be. yeah Yeah. and then that can create you know things in our head about what we have or haven't achieved and uh i think that's the part that i really gripped into was this the secondary part of the title of sort of living in your own head or trying to live out something that you maybe haven't taken the risk or done so And I I think it's written beautifully, particularly from a female uh, point of view. And I think that a lot of that speaks so well Mm -hmm. to a female experience. Um, I also think that there's another element of it, too, of where she feels like she's not enough. And I think that's another thing that women, humans, everyone can relate to. Like, is what I'm doing enough? Like, is that enough for my life? Is Am I going to be satisfied at the end that this is what I accomplished and I didn't do X, Y, or Z? And that, I think, is something everyone can relate to. So in that sense, it could have just been like man, woman, whoever upstairs. I think we all struggle with our own thoughts. But I really related to that part. So I that part of her character really speaks to me. I think that may relate to the questions we were talking about earlier too, about the people who insist that they've had no failures, no embarrassments. Maybe they're trying to be this person that they think they are and Mm -hmm. just doubling down, tripling down. Yeah. Just keeping it going. Yeah. Even though they know. Yeah. And so many times too, our, my experience at least has been that if I am willing to be more open or talk about something is usually when I feel more resolution mm-hmm. or I get more insight into someone else and that helps, which probably is why I love reading so much. Cause I think that happens a lot in that process yeah. and you don't even have to, you know, involve somebody else necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why this topic was hard for us too. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. I think the idea of you get me that just the act of reading sometimes, no matter what you're reading, you can feel like there's something in that person or this story that you can glom onto and that yes. you can feel connected to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great book. It's different. It's interesting. There's a uh, kind of a suspense element to it on one level. So I loved it. Excellent. Yeah. Put that on my list. My ever-growing Unachievable list. TBR yes. list. But hey, keep on, keep on trying. Hey, it. nothing makes me happier than adding books to that list. <laughs> me too. I don't know. I mean, it is so... Which is ridiculous when I look on Goodreads and I have like 30 books on my to-read pile and I'm like, well... 30? Uh, well, I've had to cull it down over time. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh my gosh. How many are on yours? It's in the thousands. Oh my God! I don't cull. 
Oh, wow. Any book that I think, oh, I want to remember that. Because then yeah. sometimes when I'm like at the library, I'll scroll through that and plan. just see yeah. if one pops up that mm-hmm. reminds me. Or like sometimes if I'm looking for a particular kind of audiobook, then I do that. But yeah, I've never called. Oh, God, that makes me nervous. It's like when I look at someone's phone and it says like there's 300 messages. Oh, I can't thing. do oh, that. God. Yeah, that's not yeah. okay. But Ugh. yeah. Oh, wow. wow. That's I'm impressed with your ability to call. I think over time, because every once in a while, I will check my to-be-read uh, list against what's at the library. <laughs> yeah. And if it's not there, I'll just be like, nah, we'll, we're moving on. Oh, like if they don't have a copy at all, you'll just say, yeah. okay. Which probably means I've missed out on some good books. Hey, but... you have to have a process. Yeah. I understand that. I clearly have none, and you it's gotten no out of control. <laughs> control but i mean my one of my favorite pastimes is like scrolling through instagram and other things and i take screenshots of books and then i go and add them to my good Mm -hmm. i mean it's this is insane behavior but i love it i love it too i love subscribing to the new york times book uh email newsletter is great because there's lots of recommendations lit hub often has tons of lists and this time of year too we're recording this almost around the new year and everyone has the top lists of the year but also top lists of the decade, decade of yes yes it's been great Whew. so fun yeah, lots of stuff and it's add. fun to read those lists and be like oh i read like five of those. exactly damn i'm smart yeah killing it <laughs> i may not be able to call a list but i can read <laughs> when you said 30 i was like what is that a joke like on your front page now it makes me feel like i need to call you don't have to call i got you sweaty. have your i'm sweaty <laughs> Well, we get sweaty anyway I know, when we I record. Got, no, but... I like I instantaneous. Wow. Like, I'm okay. doing this wrong. Oh, my God. Thousands of books. You, have, you have your own oh, process of panic oh attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Breathe. Breathe. Okay. You have your process. Oh, man. It's all, all right. there. It's fine. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to call. It makes me nervous. <laughs> it makes me sweat, too, but it's fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. For other genre yeah. book. I have a memoir that came out this year by Jeannie Venasco, and it's called Things We Didn't Talk About When I Was a Girl. Ooh. So when Jeannie was a teenager, and I think Jeannie is maybe around our age, late 30s, early 40s, um, she had a best friend. And for the purposes of the book, she names him Mark. Um, Mark and her were inseparable until one night in college, Mark rapes her. Oh, gosh. So now it's years later. Jeannie is a writer. She's already published one memoir about her father. Um, She has a loving husband. She has great friends. Life is good, but she's never been able to reconcile what happened with Mark. Mm. And here's where it gets fascinating because, like I said, she's a memoir and a nonfiction writer. So she decides she wants to write about this. Even more, though, she wants to use this as an opportunity to reach out to Mark to talk about this. So she does, and he agrees. So this book is the process of talking to him in a series of emails, then calls, then in person about what happened. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. And by this point, it's been nearly 15 years ago. Um, Both of them talk about... Like what they remember of that night, they talk about the specifics of that night, they talk about their friendship beforehand, and how afterwards she still kind of tried to be friends with him and their friendship after, like where his life is gone. They talk about what it means to be someone who commits a terrible act and a betrayal, and can that person still be a good person? That's Mm. like the ultimate question from the book. So I chose this for a theme of feeling connected because of the way that Jeannie writes about this. Uh, I think many girls our age, Jeannie's age, we were raised to think about rape as something that a stranger does in a dark alley. 
you know, Mm -hmm. and it's something that we can avoid if only we don't drink and if only we don't dress a certain way. And if we change our behavior to be small and invisible and otherwise it's our responsibility, it's our fault. Um, But this story is so different from this narrative because they were friends and because it was a really kind of strange, confusing thing that was happening. Um, So this one-on-one conversation is just like nothing I've ever read before. You, You never really see this. You see like big headlines about, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein and, and other terrible right. people, you never see a small, intimate discussion of sexual assault in this way, which is mm-hmm. so interesting. I I really like, too, how she digs into just the minutiae of it. She, she talks about how she blamed herself in part because it wasn't so clear-cut and how she, like I said, she tried to still be friends with him afterwards. Um also talks about how he feels about it and how it's impacted his life as well. Some of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Some of it, I'm like, I don't effing care what you think about it. It's really interesting where you're at in your head when you're reading this. Okay. She also talks about the language, like how rape is defined. Um, She talks about how she couldn't call it rape for so long because – he didn't use his penis. He used his fingers. So it's like, oh, can I define oh. it as rape? Can I use, you know, it, oh, it was my. that much more confusing because mm-hmm. of that. Um, so like I said, it's Jeannie's personal story, but the way that she digs into it makes this feel so identifiable, you know, yeah. like you just really feel like you're there. And I think sexual assault is still so stigmatized in so many ways, never minds that it happens in situations like this all the time. Um, but I think so many people will feel deeply connected to this book because of the way she goes about it, because of this incredible ongoing conversation with mm-hmm. this guy that violated her. It's utterly fascinating and, and very, yeah, wow, it's good stuff. That sounds intense. Can you even imagine like reaching out to the dude mm-hmm. and like the, the bravery that she had to do this and to yeah. try and understand what he was thinking in a yeah, way? That's Wow. And what's great is throughout the book, she's constantly questioning herself, like, should I be giving him this opportunity to talk? Should I be like even caring what he feels about this? But she comes to the conclusion that this will help her like understand it by digging into how he feels about it. You know, Okay. I'm going to be honest. You don't come away with a good perspective on this guy. Oh, really? No. Oh, boy. But uh, yeah, it's it's really great. Wow. Sounds intense, but very awesome. Very intense. Also, a quick read if you if you let it be. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Whew, yeah. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Well, <laughs> a little bit different thing sure, for sure, my sure, pick. Sure. This mm-hmm. uh, for the nonfiction other genre that I picked was a book called "I Like to Watch: Arguing My Way Through the TV Revolution" by Emily Nussbaum. You've been talking about this for a while. I have. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with this book when I read it. So it was published in uh, June of 2019. She is a television critic for The New Yorker. She's also a Pulitzer Prize winning culture critic. Oof. And um, if you're familiar with The New Yorker and New York Magazine, she created the approval matrix that they often put at the back oh, of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she created that. She came up with wow. that. Yeah, yeah. So this is a collection of essays by her, some that have been previously published, some are new, but they're all with like really direct, powerful insight into why we love the TV that we love and why there's an argument for saying we actually are what we watch. Mm. And so it's it, the first essay right off the bat is about her finding Buffy the Vampire Slayer when she was in college and realizing like, 
okay, this is way more than they're trying to sell it as mm-hmm. and just being hooked in from there. And at the same time that she's in college and studying Victorian literature, she's also watching this and she's applying those skills of analysis to from that she's learning in her English courses to this mm-hmm. and kind of how it's reshaping how she thinks about TV as an art form, which is really kind of what a lot of the book is about is that it's not and i think some of that stigma is going away now more because of the onslaught of netflix and hulu and amazon so many of them doing their own tv shows and movies and but really good shows yeah, yeah for a long time tv mm-hmm. was considered the inferior yes. i mean we've all heard stories of movie stars that would never do a tv show yeah. because you know no that's beneath me i do movies and as an art form it was just sort of considered less than and so she was makes an argument in almost every essay for why that's not true mm-hmm. why in a lot of cases it takes a lot more thoughtful planning and a lot more analysis, a lot more writing ability to write a TV show and make it successful over a long haul. Um, And there's so many different essays in here, so many different things that she talks about. She does one about the evolution of female protagonists. Um, She talks about the complex role of sexual violence on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And what do we do with art when the person that created it is revealed to not be a great person oh, or not someone that we yeah. can follow, which has happened a lot in the last few years? Um, it's it's so well written that sometimes you almost catch yourself doing the thing she doesn't want you to do, which is be like, wait a minute, we're talking about TV, you know? Yeah. But you you do feel that way. If you are anyone that's ever like binge watch a show on Netflix or is like, this is amazing and wanted to tell someone about it, you would like this book because she just gets in there. Some mm-hmm. of them are more interview style. Two of my favorites were a profile she wrote about Genji Cohen, the creator of Weeds, yeah. that then went on to create Orange is the New Black. And then um, she did a really in-depth, wonderful piece on Ryan Murphy. Um, where she interviewed him and all of his shows and his process. And they were so interesting and different and so much insight into really their creation of this is not just like, hey, I'm doing this to make money. Obviously, they're making money at it, but really more, it's an art form. It's, mm-hmm. it's their way to say something. It's their way to put something out into the world. So I picked this for characters I relate to because she articulated so many things I felt about TV. There, I just, there's so many TV shows that I love. And Mm -hmm. honestly, most of the time I tend to like TV better than movies. I'm more of a TV show person. I think I like the length of it. I like the ability. The long story. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do. The long form. I like having a lot of them. Like I love starting a new series and knowing I have season upon season. Um, But I've also felt like sometimes explaining that to people that maybe they think there's less of an intellect or like, oh, you just binge watch TV. Yeah. Well, no, I read books too, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's this stigma sometimes that you're not somehow taking in culture or art. Or you're or, not challenging yourself yeah. in some way. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that she really points out how not true that is. And I would say even more so today because with the all the opportunities yeah. that are made and most of the time books are signed before they even published to become TV shows or movies. So for me, I love TV. I love characters. I love drama. I love the idea of pushing boundaries. So I've never really been able to articulate those feelings and thoughts like that or to say, yeah, this is an art form that I Mm -hmm. enjoy and I get a lot of deep thoughts 
out of it. I mean, some of Mike and I's best discussions come from a TV show or mm-hmm. a situation that happens on a TV show. And I obviously could never do it like as powerfully and interestingly as she did. But I just I related so much to it because I could see my own viewing habits in it and so many things that I couldn't articulate. But I was like, yes, that's mm-hmm. it. So if you and really, honestly, if you've watched TV in the last 20 years, you'll like it because yeah. she's talking, she's doing deep dives into different TV shows and talking with the producers, talking with writers behind the scenes stuff. It's great. That's so cool. You could say that she gets you, Aaron. She does. Also, Ryan Murphy. Nice tie in to Nip Tuck. Wasn't that his yes. first show? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get in that guy's head. That's that's so fascinating because I I think you're right. I think TV sometimes still even in the era of prestige TV mm-hmm. can be discounted. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, oof. yeah. And you know, she's this is a lady that has a Pulitzer Prize for critiquing this. You know, and she talks about that about where she thought her career path was going and where it's ended up, and you know how much. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you read one of her essays, I would be scared to have a conversation with her. That woman is smart. <laughs> I mean, there, this is next level intelligence. Like she gets stuff on a level that I'm not sure most people are meant to. I love the idea, though, that she was studying literature and then bringing that into TV. Because I think you and I both yes. were that way in college. And, and maybe that affected the way that we think about books, the way we think about TV, the way it we think about movies. Did. Yeah, I remember in AP English, which was one of the first where I really started to understand analysis. Like mm-hmm. I think early on, we've talked about this, yes. you know, books are forced on kids in school and you read them and you might love them for the character, but you don't really grip in. I don't feel like it was until my AP courses that I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you can get all this other stuff out of it. And then you start to apply that lens to everything. Everything you see, yeah. yeah, you learn critical thinking and then you apply mm-hmm. it to entertainment, but also every area of your life. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, that sounds great. It was you listened to this one too, right? I did, but did then like I it? bought it because oh. I wanted to reread some of the essays mm-hmm. that just, you know, like I, I'm good. I love listening to audiobooks. I love listening to nonfiction. But then sometimes if I really like the book, I end up buying it, it as well yeah. because I need to reread sections yes. or I want to, un- you know, you can only rewind it so many times before you're like, okay, I'll come back to mm-hmm. it. You know, I'll, I'll get the book so I can highlight that section. <laughs> <laughs> was it her reading it? Uh-huh. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, Yeah. to hear her voice. Awesome. Well, hey, thinking about pop culture Mm. and other areas that we enjoy, I picked a podcast. Because, hey, there's a sort of a golden era of podcasts coming right now. Yeah, especially with these audio dramas. And I know Mm -hmm. I've been recommending quite a few lately. I've got another one for you. All right. It's called Earthbreak. And this is starring Jenny Slate, comedian, actress, wonderful human being. Yes. this was original audio podcast. Like I said, there's six episodes. It came out this July, so it's all done. Maybe another season coming. We're not sure yet. The full title of this is called Earthbreak, A Few Suggestions for Survival with Additional Hints and Tips About How to Make Yourself More Comfortable During the Alien Apocalypse. <laughs> so you can see why I just shorten it to Earthbreak. Earthbreak. Yeah. Yes. So Jenny Slate plays Lynn, who seems to be the sole survivor of an alien invasion. And she has found a tape recorder in the wreckage, and she's recording her story and her thoughts for what she hopes is future humans. 
And mostly Lynn is just trying to stay alive. She's dodging aliens and the wreckage and of this world. And sometimes she talks about her life before all this. Um, and the aliens killed by spreading this virus, maybe like colonizers did in ancient times. Um, and early on, Lynn thinks she might have got this virus because she's not feeling great. But turns out she's pregnant. Oh. So what I love most about this is the fact that Lynn, as a character, she's never camped. She's never been an outdoorsy person. She's never been a survivalist. So she really has no idea how to live without all of the things we've come to consider modern worlds, right. you know, all the trappings of our society. And I liked that because, as I've said before, I'd be no good in apocalypse. I'd just want to die right away because <laughs> <laughs> I have no skills. Right. But this gives me hope. If there's an apocalypse out there and Jenny Slate's character lives. You can do it, too. I can do it, too. Okay. Um, I like, though, that Lynn is compelled to keep going, not just because of her survival instinct, but because now she's not alone. And she you know, knows there's um, there's going to be a future of humans, at least just with her. Um, I really love Jenny Slate, too. I think we've talked about this before. She's just so genius in kind of everything mm -hmm. she does. And as she's narrating this, it's just her voice. And she makes you feel like you're right there, like in her head. And you are her in a lot of ways, just the way that she performs this. It's so wow. cool. So in that way, you know, if you're not into sci-fi, anything, don't worry about it. This isn't really about that in right. any way. This is about this one person's story and what it takes to survive, what she thinks about survival, who she is. It's this deep connection to this unique character. And it's stuck with me ever since I've listened to this. It's uh, especially the last episode is there's a lot of really haunting stuff after oh. that, the, the way that she talks through that scene. So is there a humorous then to it or is a it little more, bit, a little but bit mostly, mostly just, yeah, which is interesting because yeah. you know, she's known, I think, primarily for comedy, but she is really terrific in this. Wow. Yeah. Mm. She can kind of do everything. She can. Did you ever see Obvious Child with her? No, you told me about it, and I need so to. Good. I need to yeah. do that. Yeah. And that combines drama and comedy too. And yeah, yeah it's just great. I need to see that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, for my pop culture pick, this is probably something that people have heard of, but I myself just recently broke down and bought myself a subscription to this Vanity Fair. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And here's why. Okay. okay. So if you're not aware, it is a monthly magazine that has pop culture, indeed. some fashion, some current events, mm -hmm. some current affairs. But the reason that I did is because I realized that over the last few years, some of my favorite like true crime and or just yeah. investigative long articles have come from Vanity Fair. Ooh. And I've just seen them in another format. Like mm -hmm. it was a it was released on Twitter or I saw it talked about on a news program and then I went and read it. Um, and so I really started to get interested in that side of mm -hmm. Vanity Fair. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just kind of explore their archives, which side note, you should go to their website and explore. It's arranged. I don't even know how to explain it. It's the coolest way ever. Ooh. I mean, they've got it by year. They've got it by category. They've got it by like interest. And it's so wonderful. And I guess they just opened that up like last year, like all the, their previous that oh, you could wow. look at. But I decided, And they have a long history too. Long history. Yeah. 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 And it was originally from like 1913 to 1936. And then it was revived in 1983. Oh. And like is currently includes like the five different international editions of the magazine. Oh, wow. So it's 
for me, the reason that I broke down and decided that like I needed to spend the money and support them is because it really like I feel like it's the embodiment of me. Like there's some just kind of frivolous pop culture stuff, but there's also some hard hitting like investigative stuff or there's just interesting profiles of people. Mm -hmm. They have a very big commitment to writing as much as they do the actual pictures and publication that they're putting out. Um, which is sort of becoming a lost form, and I don't want to see yeah. that go. Yeah. I mean, the long form really is because there's not as much of a people, you know, attention Short spans, atten- yep. and they want to get everything in a quick news bite, you know, in a tweet as opposed to reading an article. And some of those articles that I have read, you know, there's the O.J. Simpson one by Dominique Dunn, yeah. amazing. They did an amazing one about Theranos. They've done a bunch of true crime pieces that I just I really liked all of them. Mm-hmm. So for me. I'm sure that you've heard of the magazine, but if you haven't spent any time reading any of their longer form pieces, you really should because they're just really, really amazing. That's so cool. Do a lot of their true crime have to do with like Hollywood stories? Or a is a it, lot okay. of them. Yeah. But some yeah. of them are just crimes that are just kind of, you know, like really wow. kind of sensational. I mean, mm-hmm. like they had a really good one on Oscar uh, Pistorius, I remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so that's kind of Hollywoodish. I mean, everyone heard about it. You know, they have some like that, but then they have some other ones that aren't mainstream necessarily outside of, you know, you might've heard of it if you're a Dateline viewer or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, they just have a very interesting way of putting all that together in one magazine. And I like that it hits all those different yeah. parts. So now you get it every month. Mm-hmm. Do you read it all in one sitting or how do you go about it? No, I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't do that. Yeah. So I, it's, it really probably takes me the whole month to get through yeah. one. Cause I just, you know, you kind of read whatever you're in the mood for. You mm-hmm. read this, you read that. So Excellent. Yeah. And I actually really like to read in the bath, but I'm 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 not good at that with books because I'm always afraid that I'm gonna damage it. Me too. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh and then I do have like an old school Kindle, but then I'm I'm a klutz. So then gonna drop that in the water. Yes, it freaks me out. So magazines are perfect. That is perfect. Yeah. It's a delight. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've never really been a reading in the bath person, maybe because I know I'm gonna drop it. Right. Yeah. Whether it's a book or an electronics of some sort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have to be very careful about that. (laughs) I have a bruise on my calf right now from a terrible tub getting in and falling. Proving my point. Into your tub or out of your tub? Okay. And my leg slipped and hit the other side of the tub. Okay. Catastrophe of errors. Yeah. It's a disaster on my Did you then continue with the bath or did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was at the beginning, so I was like, well, I mean, there's nothing left to do but relax. (laughs) Soak that, you know, soak that injury up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, that's a nice insight into your life. Well, and it is, it's really, I mean, I bruise really because I'm so Me too. white and yes. pale that bruises are yes. just look like, you know, terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's huge and really gross. Oh, and nice. Mason has like a little bruise on his calf this week that he was showing me. And then I was like, well, look at this. And he's like, yeah, mine's worse. <laughs> Okay, it wasn't a contest. (laughs) But also, if it was, I think you win instead of him. Well, yeah. Yeah. He's like this tiny little brown, cute, Mm -mm. you know, kid bruise. And mine looks like I got beat with a bat. (laughs) Like you went to a loan shark and you didn't repay him. Yes, that's what it's like. The mafia tried to break my legs. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what really happened or was it really? (laughs) I said, not the tummy. Go for me legs. (laughs) Why did your accent suddenly go Irish? <laughs> For me legs. <laughs> I think that was more pirate. <laughs> 
which doesn't clear anything up. Like, why you went pirate? But okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Did you also have a parrot on your shoulder at this moment? Yeah, okay, he's not right. with me anymore. Oh, <laughs> that was part of the part of the beatdown. Oh no, <laughs> took my parrot. Okay, okay, hold on. So now I. Have... <laughs> I have an image of you uh-huh. in a pirate outfit with, you know, an, an eye patch mm-hmm. and a parrot mm-hmm. going to see a loan shark. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't willingly go. Oh, I wasn't making a payment, so he had to come to me. Oh, yeah. but when you Turns first out he took... ties to mafia, bada bing, bada boom. When you Here first took the loan, though, were you mm-hmm. also dressed as a pirate? Or yeah. was this, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that your tough guy outfit? Pirate. Things are kind of ripped and tattered. <laughs> yeah, then at sea, just gonna need a payday loan until the ship pays me. <laughs> Please don't hurt me legs. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me legs alone. <laughs> Actually, I said go for the legs. Oh. Leave me tummy alone. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. In that horrible bar fight. <laughs> And you've already gone through Heaves Gate, where you were yes. puking nonstop yes. for hours. I told you, yeah. can't handle that kind can't of trauma. Can't handle it. My legs, though. <laughs> My old sea legs are fine. <laughs> so wait, is this loan still outstanding? Or are you going to well, get yeah, hurt? Yeah, my parrot. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Think oh, he has the parrot. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Is the parrot a hostage? I think the parent went w- parrot went willingly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any money, so I can't obviously feed the parrot. So the parrot was like, okay, this guy has more crackers. Oh, okay. Clearly, he's not begging on the street for crackers, so I'm out. <laughs> this is so elaborate. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. Okay. Well, again, another great insight into your life. That's what's going really on took a turn. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe next week we can check in on the legs. Yeah. Check in on your legs. <laughs> me legs. Me legs. <laughs> me legs and me tattered clothes. <laughs> oh, wow. my goodness. I'm so bad at pirates. <laughs> Again, I thought it was Irish at first. I don't know why. Like bad was. Irish. Yeah. And I felt like that was more offensive, so I went with pirates. Okay. okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, maybe you can provide an update on that next week. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah, when we're back next Wednesday, I'll let you know about me legs. (laughs) But in the meantime, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, and check out all the recommendations we made in this episode. Also at our website, Mm -hmm. no more pirate stories, although there could be in the future. There could be be updates, like live updates on me legs. Me pirate. (laughs) I mean parrot. Also at the website is bonus material. Bonus. And we have some great stuff there for you. We've got some interviews with some of our favorite authors Mm -hmm. and more coming all the time. And if you have any suggestions, what you want to hear from us, stories, what have you, bring it on. Yes. Another thing that you can do is leave a review. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, so easy. Just 
drop one Just of those say stars. something about you're worried about Aaron's legs. legs. <laughs> so simple. They write themselves when you listen to these episodes. If you don't listen on Apple, mm-hmm. it's sometimes a little bit harder to figure out where to leave a review. It is. We found this great format on mm-hmm. podchaser.com. You can go there. You can check out other awesome podcasts mm-hmm. and leave us a review. You sure can. So it's like a gift for leaving a review. Yes. Which it's is amazing. kind of what you want. So yeah. do it. Also, we are always taking theme ideas yes, from are. our wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm. You want a whole pirate-themed episode where Erin can just speak in her pirate language all episode? I mean, I think it's a great idea. Go ahead and send it to us. <laughs> or if you have other ideas that don't involve Erin speaking in a strange accent, that's fine, too. Yeah. Send them our way. Absolutely. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, or at Plain Talk Books if you want to check out our bookshelf. Sure can. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.